Just a quick note, our philosophy here on Two Teas in a Pod is to use English in its most natural form. So a few bad words might slip through the net every now and then. This episode contains adult language. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Welcome back to the podcast. Hiya. How's it going? I'm good, Tim. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. I baked some bread. Oh, it was quite Tim. nice. Yeah. Olive and sun-dried tomato bread. Oh, my God. Mm, it was tasty. How did it work? What kind of bread was it? White bread. Cool. Olive and sun-dried tomato. It was good. Well, I don't know. What kind of shape did you put it in? And it's just a lump. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. Cool. Didn't that do it in a, nice. in a tin or anything. Have you finished it already? No, we froze some of it because it was massive. Okay, well, that's in, perfect. It's it nothing, nothing better than homemade fresh bread. Yeah, it was delicious. Or, or frozen. It's also fine. Played a bit of tennis. Good. You do like tennis. Tennis is fun. Who did you play tennis with? No, another Tim. Oh, right. Yeah. It was good fun. Um, did you go, Timmy, to you? Oh, that's a joke. <laughs> we should have. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Pretend we didn't make that joke. It was a great joke. <laughs> anyway, so today's topic is mystery. Mysterious incidents. Dun, 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 dun. So we're going to be got, looking... We've got some nice ones here. Yeah, we're going to look at four, maybe five different mysteries Let's from history. see how history. we get on the time. Um, unsolved mysteries from the past. Yeah, and some then we're them. going to have a uh, think about what we think might have happened. Mm, possible explanations. Indeed. Some Speculate. of them a little bit creepy. Mine aren't. Well, my, I suppose I'll yeah. make it creepy. Yeah. By using my creepy voice. <laughs> so, let's get on with it. So, mystery number one. The incident at Dyatlov Pass. So, um, I'm going to read to you about this mystery. If you're listening along at home or in class, I want you to, after I finish, think about what is the mystery and then try and think of some possible explanations. So, on the first night of February 1959, nine ski hikers died mysteriously in the mountains of what is now Russia. The night of the incident, the group had set up camp on a slope, enjoyed dinner and prepared for sleep. But something went catastrophically wrong because the group never returned. On February 26th, searchers found the hiker's abandoned tent, which had been ripped open from the inside. Surrounding the area were footprints left by the group, some wearing socks, some wearing a single shoe, some barefoot, with no shoes at all, all of which continued to the edge of a nearby wood. That's where the first two bodies were found, shoeless and wearing only underwear. The scene bore marks of death by hypothermia, but as medical examiners inventoried the bodies, as well as the other seven that were discovered over the months that followed, hypothermia no longer made sense. In fact, the evidence made no sense at all. One body had evidence of a blunt force trauma consistent with a brutal assault. Another had third degree burns, one had been vomiting blood, one was missing a tongue, 
and some of their clothing was found to be radioactive. Dun, dun, dun. That's your mystery. So, Katie, what do you reckon? I have lots of questions, Tim. Okay. I have a lot of questions. First of all, when you said there was only two bodies found. Well, they found two at the edge of the woods, and then late over the over the next few months, they found the rest of them. Okay, sorry. In the woods. So, how many were there in total? I forget. Dun, dun, dun. Nine. Nine okay. people. Um. What could have happened? So they. Well, initially, I thought, how can they tell if a tent's been ripped open from the inside? How do they know that? Well, I don't know. You guess that these uh, policemen, forensics, maybe. Mm, okay. Well, I'm skeptical about that. Um, and then I was thinking maybe they were gonna they were ripped open from the inside because a bear was like attacking the tent from. I don't know. Maybe some wild animals were surrounded that were surrounding the door and they couldn't get around there, so they escaped yeah. to the back of a tent, or they felt somehow threatened from the outside but couldn't get through the exit, so they opened the tent from the outside and then ran for it. Ah, uh, they could have deliberately cut the tent to escape. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and that would that would make sense. Excuse me. Okay. That what else? Make, that would make sense in terms of um, you're not having shoes on and stuff. But to be honest with you, it just sounds like they've just had a whole load of drugs. Yeah, you reckon? They just, just dropped a load of acid and they just all went a bit mad. Yeah, could be. And as for the radiation, they might have been carrying out nuclear tests nearby or something like that. Yeah, it's possible. What about uh, someone who's missing a tongue? I mean, if they had taken loads of drugs, I mean, the thing is that they, they were all found dead. <laughs> what? What were they running away from? Exactly. Uh, were they all found or were they only underwear? Just those two? Um, <laughs> it specifically says uh, the first two bodies were shoeless and wearing only underwear. Remember that some of them had one shoe on, some of them had both shoes on, some of them had no shoes. So I think they were in various states of undress. Also, had it not snowed, between the time we don't know but maybe they were like running away from an avalanche hang on this makes sense maybe they're running away from an avalanche right mm -hmm. so there's, there's a month there's almost like almost three weeks maybe more than three weeks between the time when they went hiking and the time when they were found maybe there's an avalanche which yep. they were cut through the tent to get away from okay they run in a state of undress because they're all asleep one tripped over accidentally bit off his own tongue <laughs> um, yeah the, the others just hadn't had time to get dressed yeah. and they were like they were the first two who hadn't made the woods were completely covered by the avalanche and then all the rest I can't remember what was, what was wrong with the rest who knows well they've been vomiting blood and various things yeah so one oh. got like hit with a it had some bad internal injuries from being caught up in the avalanche but had made it out but hadn't quite made it um, and that's that, that explains the um, the bl the blood the vomit and then uh, and then the, but the thing is the snow then all like melted away the avalanche melted the avalanche <laughs> melted <laughs> there was okay. no trace of the avalanche and that's what must have happened must have been must must have been do you want to hear some of the theories yeah okay I think that's probably okay. I, should, I should really give up yeah so the theories possible theories include KGB interference so maybe the ski hikers stumbled upon some secret russian government base and they were killed by the kgb might have been a drug overdose as you said so they might have all 
had a bad a bad trip. It could have been a UFO. Oh, shut up! For goodness sake! Well, it's always a possibility. Aliens, no? Oh, what bollocks! Or it could have been uh, the Russian version of the Yeti. <laughs> what is a Russian version of a Yeti? I don't know. Uh, the Russian Yeti. I don't know. They were the Russian for Yeti, but the abominable snowman. Okay. Um, recently, a documentary filmmaker presented a theory involving a terrifying but real phenomenon called infrasound. Infrasound is in which the wind interacts with the topography, so that the hills and the landscape, to create a barely audible hum. So like a but barely audible. Okay. That can nevertheless induce powerful feelings of nausea, panic, dread, chills, nervousness, raised heartbeat, and breathing difficulties. In nine people. Mm. So just the wind passing over the hills in a specific way made a strange noise that drove them all crazy. I went to a really cool place in um, out, just outside Dubai, and uh, it was called the Musical Sand, Sand Dunes. Have I ever told you this? No. And we went camping and um, we we're climbing up the dunes um, in the desert. No one around for miles. And if you jumped from the top of the dune, the sand all compressed beneath you. So, because it's, it's not sand that's ever been jumped on or had mm-hmm. any serious weight on it because the sand dune moved because of wind and stuff. So the friction of the sand all compacting together made this really bizarre hum, humming, vibrating noise. And as you jumped on it, it felt like there was a UFO just beneath the surface of a sand dune that was about to take off. It was a bizarre feeling and it uh, it was, it's called the musical dune. It's a rare occurrence. Wow. In several sites over the world. Jump up and down and it makes a weird noise. Okay. So maybe it's something similar to that. Didn't make me nauseous or vomity. Or, or bite your own tongue off. Or no. both. Yeah. The only consensus remains that whatever happened involved an overwhelming and possibly inhuman force. Oh. So, there you go. That's mystery number uh, one. I think it was the drugs. The incident at the Dietlov Pass. I keep thinking you're going to say the incident of the dog of the night time. <laughs> A really good Mark Haddon book. Anyway, that's first mystery down. Mystery two. Okay, the next mystery is the Marie Celeste. Have you ever heard of the Marie Celeste? I have. Uh, It rings a bell, but I don't really know the story. Okay, so the Marie Celeste was a ship. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Here's the article from history.com. And it is on November the 7th, 1872, the 282-ton Brigantine, 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 (laughs) (laughs) continue on, Uh, ship, Marie Celeste, set sail from New York Harbour on its way to Genoa, Italy. On board were the ship's captain, Benjamin S. Briggs, his wife, Sarah, and their two-year-old daughter, Sophia, along with eight crew members. Less than a month later, on December the 5th, a passing British ship called Dei Grazia. Grazia? Why is it called a British ship with a non-British name? Dei Grazia. Spotted Marie Celeste at full sail and adrift about 400 miles east of the Azores, with no sign of the captain, his family or any of the crew. 
Aside from several feet of water in the hold and a missing lifeboat, the ship was undamaged and loaded with six months' worth of food and water. Marie Celeste has had a shadowy past. Originally christened Amazon, it was given a new name after a series of mishaps, including the sudden illness and death of its first captain and a collision with another ship in the English Channel. An investigation into whether to grant payment by its insurers to the De Grazia crew for salvaging the ghost ship found no evidence of foul play. Marie Celeste would sail under different owners for 12 years before its last captain deliberately ran it aground in Haiti as part of an attempted insurance fraud. In 2001, best-selling novelist and adventurer Clive Cussler claimed to have found the wreck of Marie Celeste, but later analysis of the timbers retrieved from the ship he found showed the wood was still living at least a decade after Marie Celeste sank. Huh, that's interesting to know that. One of the, meanwhile, one of the most famous maritime his, mysteries in history endures. Why would an experienced captain such as Briggs or his sailors abandon a perfectly sound ship? Theories over the years have ranged from mutiny and pirate attack to assault by a giant octopus or sea monster, mm. while the more scientifically minded propose an expulsion caused by fumes from more than 1,700 barrels of crude alcohol in the ship's hold. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle even weighed in with a short story published in 1884 in which the inhabitants of the ghost ship fell victim to an ex-slave seeking vengeance. On the less sensationalised end, an investigation chronicled in the 2007 documentary The True Story of the Marie Celeste was able to offer no definite conclusion, but did suggest a scenario in which a faulty chronometer, rough seas and a clogged onboard pump could have led Briggs to order the ship abandoned shortly after sighting land on November 25th, 1872. According to the last entry in the ship's logbook, made that morning, Marie Celeste was within sight of the Azores island of Santa Maria, some 500 miles from where the De Gratia would find it nine days later. Mm -hmm. So that's the story of the Marie Celeste. What do you think, Tim? Creepy. Um, oh, if you're listening, if you're listening at home or at school, what do you think might have happened? What could have happened? I have a question. So the the crew and the family were never found. No, never found. So, mm. and then the the ship already had like a history of strange things happening yeah. to it. So it might be the ship. Maybe the ship's haunted. Maybe the ship has evil spirits. Mm, might have been cursed. That's another explanation, yeah. Maybe. Um, what could be, they might have got into a storm. Yeah. And then thought that the ship was going to sink. So they got in a lifeboat. The lifeboat was missing. So they might have got in the lifeboat and thought it would be easier to escape with the lifeboat mm. and just abandon the ship. But there um, wasn't, that water, there wasn't, wasn't that much water on the ship. Hmm. Expect if they really thought it was going to sink... Yeah, maybe like it wasn't damaged, but they thought, oh, it's going to break soon. It's going to get blown over. Surely if it was the storm was so bad, you'd be safer on the ship than on a tiny lifeboat. It's true. Maybe they drank too much of the booze. (laughs) All that alcohol. All that alcohol. All these mysteries are just going to be, they got really (laughs) drunk or they took too many drugs. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting one. Yeah, it is an interesting one. I have images of them, of the... Of the other, the British ship coming on board and seeing like the table laid, like a half-eaten meal. Yeah, I'm sure that's not how it was. 
But I like the idea of the of a ghost ship, them seeing a ship and sailing up to it and calling out to it and then being nobody on board. Can you imagine how creepy that must have been? Yeah. Must have been absolutely pull your pants terrifying. Mm-hmm. Kind of board there's just this empty dead ship, just like no one there. Yeah. Ooh. Gives me creeps. Yeah, definitely. Interesting one. Mm. Mm. Anyway. What do go. you think at home? Next mystery. Mystery number three. Chan, 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 chan. The disappearance of the Eileen Moore lighthouse keepers. <gasps> Where's Eileen Moore? Do you know? No idea. Oh. <laughs> Keep it vague. <laughs> Keep it vague. Uh, it sounds like somewhere in Ireland. It does. So, do you want to hear the mystery? Yeah. If you're listening along in class or at home, um, what's the mystery? What could be possible explanations? Ooh, it's in the Outer Hebrides on the west coast of Scotland. Oh, it's in Scotland. Oh, there we go. Okay, Yay. so Eileen Moore in Scotland. So, there were three lighthouse keepers. And one day, people went to visit the lighthouse because the lighthouse had been very quiet. Nobody had been switching the light on. Oh. And when they arrived, the scene that they found when they went to check why there was no response, was quite standard, yet slightly off, slightly strange. What, what do you mean? Two of the three waterproof jackets were missing. And in the kitchen, they found pretty much everything normal, except that one chair laying on the floor, and there was a meal on a table. Oh, so, just like the Marie Celeste. Exactly. Suggesting that, didn't happen. that maybe they left in a hurry. The lighthouse keepers were nowhere to be seen. The only clues that they found came from the lighthouse keeper's log, the diary of what happened. The last few entries were very strange. They said, severe winds, the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years. The log attendant, Thomas Marshall, wrote this and also noticed that James Ducat, the principal keeper, had been very quiet and that the third assistant, William MacArthur, had been crying what is strange about the last thing is that William MacArthur was a seasoned mariner, a very experienced sailor, and was known on the Scottish mainland as a tough guy. Storms shouldn't have been a big deal for him. The entries for the following days stated that the storm was still raging even worse than before, and that the lighthouse keepers had been praying for it to stop. The lighthouse was 150 feet above sea level, so they should have been perfectly safe from the storm and it shouldn't have caused them any problems and they were very experienced. The thing is that no storms were reported in the whole area in any of the days close to the entries. The weather was calm. The final log entry in the diary was made the day after. It said, storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. God is over all? Mm. Well, maybe they're religious. It's all right. Exactly. Um, so what do you think? They were reporting big storms every day. But yeah, but looking no at the map, it's quite far away from the mainland. And there might have been like a kind of quite a concentrated squall or like sea storm just over that particular mm-hmm. area. Um, okay. How very mysterious. I love all the detail in that story, by the way. Where did they go? Why were two of the three okay. waterproof jackets missing? 
I'm going to give you one of my crazy theories again. Okay. Okay. This is what I think happened. I think that. Uh, what were the names again? Do you remember the names? This the names the... were Thomas Marshall, okay. um, James Duckett or Duckett, mm-hmm. and William MacArthur. Okay, so um, I forgot the names already. MacArthur, Thomas, Duckett, and Thomas, uh, James, <laughs> and Bill. Okay, t- so the the one that was crying, yeah, <laughs> whatever he was called, William MacArthur, sure, Bill. He was a tough guy, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe he'd had some bad news. Maybe. Maybe. And the and the, this bad news affected the quiet guy, whose name I don't know either, Marshall. Maybe. Whatever. So, he had, they both had some bad news, and they were very, feeling very quiet about it. And maybe it was like some serious financial investment, and they had like some financial investment, and it didn't involve the third guy. <laughs> Why are you smiling at me? <laughs> They're lighthouse keepers. They're not yeah, like yeah, yeah. financial well, investing. Come on. You're getting a lot of money to, go a, to be in a lighthouse. Oh, okay. So they've, they've had some bad news and they've, they've received a letter or something that said it's all gone down the trash and they've lost all of their life savings. There's no way they're ever going to get off this bloody lighthouse now. So they, they don't want the third guy, Duke, to know about it. So they go out, they take their two jackets and they go out and they just start having a blazing riot about it out on the cliff. Because it's the only way he's because Duke is annoying. He's just around all the time. He's like, oh, get away from that guy. So they go outside and they're having a huge row about it. Going blah blah blah. It's your fault because you wanted to invest in the first place. And oh god, god, I hate you. Can't believe you made me spend all that money. And then Duke comes running outside. But at this point, he just sees he just he sees them running outside because he's come running. Oh no, here here's I mess up. Here Duke runs outside because from the lighthouse window he spies. Marshall, because he's the only name I can remember, pushing the other one off of the cliff. Wow. And into the sea, which is okay. raging and stormy below. So they had a fight. So he runs out and he's like, What the hell are you doing? And he goes, and Then Marshall's like, Oh, that's it. I'm done for. So he grabs Duke and throws himself and Duke off the cliff. Wow. And that's why Duke was in the middle of his dinner. So he's run okay. out because he's seen that. He's heard a commotion, run out and seen it, and he didn't put on his jacket. And that is what happened. Could be. Could be, yeah. They had a big fight. And then... Marshall killed them all. The one who killed them all and dragged the other one over the dragged edge of the cliff with him. Yeah. Wow, could be. What do you think, Tim? Um, I don't know. Personally, I think my theory was the best. It's a pretty good theory. It could have been like that maybe two of them went out side like you said they don't necessarily have to have been having a fight and maybe something was happening um something needed fixing or one of them got in trouble and then like a big wave came and like washed them all out to sea who knows yeah that that's true maybe there were some lower down point yeah but then why did one of them jump why was the table abandoned because one of them was sat having their dinner and he heard the other ones shouting outside oh, hanging off the edge of the cliff uh, and then he went there was no storm then because it did say God is God is over all or whatever oh <gasps> uh, yeah what if it was the guy writing the diaries he killed the other he two he killed the other two and then he threw himself off the cliff then he threw himself off after and he writing wrote that the diary final. there to confuse uh, everybody yeah you know what it must have been drugs could have been drugs again could have been some yeah 
Scottish drugs. <laughs> um, I thought it could also be um, uh, broke back lighthouse keepers. Oh. And they were all having a... Like, With three of them? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but they all had wives and things and they were... It was a time when they weren't, wasn't acceptable. And then they... When was this? It was in 1900. Okay. Yeah. Exactly 1900? Do you Is know what it, month? Exactly 1900. I don't know. Okay. Um, probably in the summer because they're talking about it not being stormy. Yeah, but... Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. It can be cold and not stormy. What do you um, think, listeners at home? Yeah, what do you think? What could have happened? Yeah. Okay, listen before. I think this will be our last one. Because we've rambled on a bit. Well, I, I have. Um, Tim. Yeah. Have you ever been to Stonehenge? Yes, I have. It's quite near where I'm from. Oh, yeah. In England. In the southwest, Salisbury. Yep. Um, Very... Also known for its crags, Salisbury crags. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I know Salisbury. And a cracking cathedral. I think you mean... By cracking, you mean good. Yeah, a very good cathedral. Cracking. Yeah. (laughs) What about it? What about Stonehenge? All right, okay. Let me tell you a little bit about Stonehenge. So Stonehenge, how it was built is very mysterious. So if Mm -hmm. you don't know what Stonehenge is, it's basically a stone circle, which is very ancient, with big, very big stones that have been placed upright in a circle. And some of them have, though I think, I think in when originally it was built, they all would have had a, like a, a big stone laid atop a top mm-hmm. the two two stones so it would have been mean like a like n like shapes a, yeah 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 like two two oh. either side yeah with like one two on either side yeah. with one on the top yeah. exactly um but some of them have collapsed and mm-hmm. it's very famous if you don't know what it is look it up you probably recognize it um that's quite a mysterious circle i think it's something to do with druids anyway that's not the mystery we're here to talk about today if you want to know more about druids you can look that up yourself I know that there's a big festival there every... The solstice. The solstice. The summer solstice. Summer solstice. Yeah. When's that? 21st of June or something? Yeah. 21st of July. The longest day of the year. June. June. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then. So that that's interesting. There's a big festival on. Anyway, that's not the mystery we're here to discuss today. So. Stop laughing. <laughs> the biggest of Stonehenge's stones known as sarsens, were mm. up to... I'll say that again. The biggest of Stonehenge's stones, known as sarsens, are up to 30 feet, or 9 metres, and weigh 25 tonnes, or 22.6 metric tonnes, on average. Okay? Mm-hmm. Scientists believe that they must have been brought down from the Marlborough Downs, a distance of 20 miles to the north. Have you been to Marlborough Downs? I haven't. Is that, am I saying it right? Yeah. Mal- Marlborough, Marlborough, Marlborough. You said it fine, yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Transporting the stones that distance can't have been easy. I mm. think I would agree with that. Considering this was built many... 20 miles. How much did they weigh? Uh, 22.6 metric tons. 20 miles is about 32 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's okay. quite impressive. It's quite impressive. Yeah, fairly. You know, I could do better. Um, smaller stones, referred to as blue stones, 
They have a bluish tinge when wet or freshly broken. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. They weigh up to four tons and come from several different sites in Western Wales. Wales. Which is far away. Long way from it's the site. It's quite far, isn't it? How much do they weigh? Uh, up to four tons. Wow. So like a big truck or like a, yeah, like a big lorry is four tons. I don't really, it's a bit quite difficult to reference that, a isn't truck, it? A truck, a truck, not a lorry. Okay. So they would have to transport as far as 140 miles or 225 kilometers away. Right? Wow. It's unknown how people in antiquity moved them that far. Scientists speculate that during the last ice age, glaciers might have carried these blue stones closer to the Stonehenge area. An earlier theory, theory was that the builders could have used rafts to transport the stones over the water, so like boats, mm-hmm. I suppose. However, more recent research suggests that this method can't have been used because of the weight of the stones, which makes sense. Yeah. Four tons is very heavy. Yeah. You can't just shove them on some wood and float them across a river. Exactly. Interesting. What do you think what do you think happened then? I don't know. It's a very long way to transport. It's a bleeding long way. Four tons of stone, two hundred and twenty kilometers. Yeah. A- ages ago before they had the wheel even. It's do you crazy. Think so? Do you think it's before they had the wheel? Well, like Stonehenge is thousands of years old. It's very, very old. Do you know what, mate? I reckon it must have been aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of the Ice Age bringing the blue stones closer. Yeah. That's pro- That's very plausible. Yeah, maybe like those stones, the ones that are now in Wales, um, that type of stone used to be closer. Yeah, maybe they just used it all up they in used Stonehenge. It all up. Yeah. Um, I was listen- not listening. I was told a fact about the scottish highlands recently which is that they are 10 times older than the pyrenees oh really the mountains the mountains so the highlands are um 10 times older than the pyrenees right yeah the mountains between spain and france Mm -hmm. and pyrenees are really quite high in places and the scottish highlands aren't that they're not that high no and um the reason they're not that high somebody said oh it's because you know lots of people go hiking on them and the reality is, it wasn't anything to do with, with, with people walking on the mountains. It's to do with the Ice Age and glaciers coming down and knocking the tops of the mountains and then dragging those, dragging all of that and it getting deposited underneath the glacier miles mm. away because glaciers are just so powerful over yeah. a very, very long period of time. Mm-hmm. So that may, that may, may well have happened in, um, in, in Wales. Yeah, yeah. Loads of mountains in Wales. Exactly. Glaciers, knocking it all down, bringing it closer. Yeah. What about what do you think Stonehenge was? What did they do there? I don't know. Probably some kind of old ritual thing. Like a temple. Yeah. Like a religious like thing. Like a religious meeting of bringing together of tribes and clans and. Mm-hmm. You know. They think it was um, built specifically to. Like the way that they shaped it was to line up with the sun, to be aligned with the sun. Oh, right, okay. The position they put it in is why they have the the sun uh, festivals there. They have the winter solstice and the summer solstice parties there. So that's somehow been maintained a tradition of celebrating the sun there. That's very interesting. Mm. Um, if you're interested in Stonehenge and other sites, then I do recommend going to Orkney to the Ring of Brodger. 
also very interesting large kind of similar stone circle sites there too also very important and they're doing a lot more archaeological work around there at the moment which is very interesting what's it called again the ring of brodger b-r-o-d-g-a-r and it's like a henge um i don't really know what henge is a stone circle (laughs) or something yes that's exactly what it's like okay cool cool well those are your mysteries Creepy ones, historical ones, ghosty ones. Stonehenge wasn't that creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Creepy stones. We're on a mission to avoid repetition with five ways to say. Five ways to say. Okay, five ways to say. We're talking about the language of speculation Hmm. or the possibility. So things that might or might not have happened. Yeah. So, we've got the two, uh, well, not two. Um... <laughs> let's start with the, let's yeah. start with the modal verbs. Yeah. So, let's start with modal verbs. Everybody loves a modal verb. Oh, I know I do. Oh, gosh, yes. Well, if you don't know what they are, they are words such as must, could, could might, may, may, and in this case, can't. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you. it must have been, mm-hmm. or it can't have been. So remember, if you're using a modal verb in the past, then you're going to put have plus uh, past, past participle. participle, or the third column, whatever you like to call it. Mm-hmm. So the must have been, or can't have been. But we don't say it like that, though, do we, we Katie? We what do we say? Must have. Must have been. Must have been, or can't have been. And some people eat more, they say, can't have. Can't must have yeah that's true with must more of a schwa uh, uh, sound it must have must been have aliens been. must have been aliens can't have been aliens what's the difference there then must have been how sure are we we're very sure yeah it must have been aliens we're not like we're... we don't know but we're very sure yeah and if i say it can't have been aliens that's like you're also very sure that it wasn't i'm sure that it wasn't mm-hmm. so the opposite exactly. they are the opposites of each other exactly all right what about you... another one might, may, and could. Mm-hmm. They all means they're, you're fairly sure. So yeah. 50% sure, mm-hmm. let's say. So they, they come under the same rules as must and can't. It's might, may, or could, have, and then past participle. So might have been, can't have been. Uh, might have been, could have been, may have been. Exactly. For example, it may have been a glacier that moved the blue stones to Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. Or uh, it could have been aliens. It could it could have been aliens. Or Who knows? Those hikers in the Russian mountains might have all taken drugs and killed each other. Yeah. We've also got some expressions, so not modal verbs. Yeah, they're not modal use. verbs. So, for example, it's highly likely, or it's highly unlikely. So, highly likely again is when you're very sure about something. Mm-hmm. It's very probable. Very probable. And highly unlikely is it's very unprobable, improbable. What's the, what's improbable. the opposite of yeah. Okay. Exactly. I'm an English teacher. It's highly unlikely. So, so it's highly likely that the hikers were all on drugs. Yeah. It's highly unlikely that it was a bear sent by an alien spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Are there bears in Russia? I never. Of course there are. Tons of bears. Right, cool. It's good to know. The and the next one is it's bound to have been. Yeah. 
And that's again in the past. It's mm-hmm. bound to have been. So it's bound to have been uh, a storm that swept the passengers off the Marie Celeste. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm. So we're almost sure, right? Yeah. Bound to have been a storm. And the last one is there's no way. So there's no way it was aliens. Don't be stupid. There's no way it was aliens. Yeah. It can't have been aliens. It can't have been aliens. Okay. Or we can also say no chance. No chance. No ch- no way. No chance. So there you go. Five ways to say. More than five, as usual. Different ways of well, speculating about mysteries, about the past. Listen, we want to give you as much english as we possibly can exactly so if our five ways to say is 10 ways to say don't criticize us for giving you some freebies exactly it should be several ways to say <laughs> several ways to say <laughs> but that doesn't sound as good as five no, it doesn't we're on a mission to avoid repetition with five ways to say five ways to say so those were our mysteries our mystery episode did you like it, Katie? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Um, I kind of enjoyed speculating. Exactly. You were good <laughs> at it. You came up with some great explanations for the various oh, stories. Just used to thinking on my feet. Yeah, that's good. Being spontaneous. So if you have any other mysteries you'd like to share with us. We'd love to hear them. Yeah. Send them to us on any of the social medias. Especially Twitter. Exactly. Give us a tweet or your own explanations what happened or if you have any further info or if you'd like to fact check us it's also fine yeah exactly maybe if you work for the kgb and you know what really (laughs) happened in that past interesting to those russian you want to correct us on some dates or names or pronunciation you're also welcome to do so Mm -hmm. but yeah drop us a line all right man bye have a good one you too Welcome to the podcast, two teas in a pod. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, two teas in a pod. Vicky Malena and our own Katie Wright for singing the jingles. And obviously the presenters, uh, Katie Wright, the wonderful Katie Wright, and myself. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, leave a comment on the Facebook page or the other social medias and share, 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 share the link. Okay. Get it out to as many people as possible. So thanks to all our guests this week and tune in next time. You can say your own-